The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who has invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends on your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak to you in the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. From the letter to the Hebrews. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Now this verse from Hebrews, gospel lesson, brings to mind to me a romantic comedy movie from the mid-1990s. The name of the movie is It Could Happen to You. It stars Bridget Fonda as Yvonne, a a struggling uh, waitress in a greasy spoon in New York City, and also Nicolas Cage, Charlie the Cop. Well, the movie opens at this greasy spoon diner, and Charlie is having a meal there, being served by Yvonne, and they make small talk, and it's pleasant enough. And then when it comes time to pay, Charlie realizes that he has enough money for the meal, but not enough money to leave a tip. And so he embarrassingly roots around in his pocket, but then pulls out a lottery ticket. He says, here's your tip. If I win the lottery tomorrow, I'll give you half. She looks at him and kind of says, yeah, right. He says, and if I don't win, I'll, 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 bring, the, uh, I'll bring the tip anyway. I kind of think I'll never see you again. But they laugh and he moves on. Well, it's a romantic comedy, so who knows what happens? He wins the lottery the next day, right? Four million dollars. And Charlie, the stand-up guy, he goes back and says, I'm going to give you your two million dollars. And, and she's excited. And it, it's, of course, it sounds great and wonderful, but there's a catch. You see, Charlie is already married. He's married to Muriel. And Muriel is, let's say, less than kind. In fact, she's downright greedy. And so she insists that Charlie keep the whole $4 million for himself. 
only it's really for herself. But Charlie, Charlie pushes back. He says, no, I made a promise. And so the movie is off and running. And with all romantic comedies, there's all kinds of conflict. And, and ultimately, Muriel sues Charlie for divorce. And as a part of the, the suit, she seeks to get the whole $4 million for herself. And of course, she lies on the witness stand and she gets a verdict in her favor and she gets all the money. But the happy news is, just like we knew would always happen, Charlie and Muriel end up together. Totally in love. All they need is each other, except now there's another catch. You see, uh, uh, in the meantime, Yvonne has, has bought the diner, counting on the $4 million. She's woefully in debt. The trial has cost Charlie everything he owns. So they're, they've got each other, but they're, they're, they're penniless. Towards the end of the movie, Charlie and Yvonne are in the diner late one evening, and it's, it's exactly the kind of evening that in the, middle of, in the middle of the winter that everybody in Dothan imagines New York City to be like. It's dark, and it's windy, and it's snowing and spitting rain. It's just miserable, right? And they're in their diner, and they're talking at one of the dining tables, and suddenly they hear a knock on the window. And they look, and there is an obviously homeless man. He's got, he's got dirty, nasty hair that's stringy. He's got a gnarly beard. He's dirty. And we can only imagine that he must smell. And as they look out at him, the homeless man makes this gesture, obviously asking for some food. Well, Yvonne and Charlie, they don't hesitate. They go to the door and they let this man in and they serve him. They don't give him a sandwich and some, and some crackers. They fix him a hot meal and sit them there at the dining table where they are already talking. And they continue to talk while he has this hot meal. Only it turns out that this homeless man is not a homeless man after all. His name is Angel and he's a newspaper reporter. And he's been following the goings-on of Charlie and Yvonne and Muriel and he's dressed up, and as he's eating and Charlie and Yvonne are talking, he surreptitiously takes pictures. And the next morning, there's this huge spread in the New York Times outlining the, 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 the kindness shown by Charlie and Yvonne, which leads to uh, basically a GoFundMe and, uh, and, and ends up with a financial happy ending for Charlie and Yvonne. But it isn't the financial happy ending that comes to mind today. It's that scene the night before in the diner where Charlie and Yvonne see this homeless man, only as it turns out, they don't really see a homeless man. They see this man through the eyes of Jesus, so they don't see his dirt and his grime and his, his shabby clothes and his nasty smell. They see only one of God's children who is due respect who is due to receive, like we promise in our baptismal covenant, to give to and respect the dignity of every human being. And they show that respect to him. They give him that dignity by putting, them, putting him at their own dining table in the intimacy of that space and sharing a meal with him. This motif of sharing a meal at the dining table is the central motif of today's gospel lesson. And to understand 
that motif fully to, and to really appreciate what's going on here, we need to understand the differences in cultures, the differences in our culture and the first century Hellenistic culture about a meal. Let's face it, for us, a significant number of our meals are taken at a fast food restaurant, aren't they? Sometimes our table, our dining table, is a little counter in a fast food restaurant, if not just the front seat of our car that, uh, and eating the, the hamburger we've just picked up. And even when we do eat at home, well, don't we typically kind of hurry through that meal? Because after all, we've got another agenda item to get to. But the culture surrounding meals in the Hellenistic first century world was entirely different. Meals were something to be savored. Meals were a time to slow down, in fact, to stop, to enjoy what's going on and to enjoy the company of those with whom you're eating. And certain meals of the week were special meals and they were considered events. And at these, these meals that were events, Things were carefully choreographed, no more so than at the top of the power pyramid where the Pharisees reside. When a Pharisee has a meal like that, everything is carefully planned out. You invite people, only those people who you know can help cement and hopefully even increase your power and your prestige in the society. And you carefully seat people according to their rank, so to speak. And an invitation to such a meal comes with a catch. You see, it's a reciprocal situation. If you're invited to one of these power meals, then you are expected to invite the host in turn. It is, in other words, a meal that's also a transaction. And it is in this setting that we see Jesus attending a meal at a Pharisee's house. And Jesus, of course, entirely rejects this notion of a meal as a place for transaction, a meal as a time and a place to enhance your social and empower status. Jesus sees a meal as a time to get to know your neighbor better and to show love to your neighbor. And so Jesus reveals his thinking by invoking the notions of shame and honor. And shame and honor were powerful motivators in the Hellenistic society. Jesus begins by telling this little parable, which, frankly, is kind of common sense, isn't it? Jesus says, look, now, if you're invited to a banquet, don't go sit at the head of the table automatically because somebody may, maybe somebody more distinguished than you is going to be invited and you'll be asked to move down, and that'll be humiliating. But then he goes beyond that. And he offers God's vision of the world. He says, he says basically at the end, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Shocking, shocking language in that culture. And it reveals Jesus's, it reveals God's view of how the world should be. It's a topsy-turvy view. It's a view in which not just the powerful and the wealthy, but everybody has a seat at the table. And not only that, it's one great big round table. Everybody has a seat of honor. It is, in other words, a meal that is not transactional. 
It's transformational. What would it be like if, if from time to time, at least from time to time, we engaged in having meals like that where we saw a meal as an opportunity to get to know our neighbor and show love to our neighbor? That would be transformational, wouldn't it? And every Sunday, we are invited to just that kind of meal. Every time we gather in this space, we are invited by God to have a meal. This thing we call an altar up here is also called a table. And when I stand behind that table, I am preparing a meal, God's meal for you and me. And God, each and every time, invites each and every one of us to a place of honor to take that meal. And in doing so, God transforms us if, if we open ourselves to being transformed. If we do that, if we are truly transformed, then that transformation follows us out of those doors, out into the world, and then we begin to act a little bit like Charlie and Yvonne, we begin to look for opportunities to love our neighbor, to love the poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame. Invite them into the intimacy of our dining table in order to show love to our neighbor. That indeed is transformational. And frankly, it's only following the example of God. What I mean by that is this. Let's face it. Every one of us, when we look in the mirror and we are truly honest with ourselves, every one of us look in that mirror and see a person that is in some way different. Every one of us look in the mirror and see somebody in that mirror who is in some way broken. And yet God invites that broken, different person, all of us, over and over and over. God invites us to this meal to be transformed. And so today, as we approach this altar, as we hold out our hands to take the bread and raise our lips to take the wine, and not incidentally, as we gather together across the labyrinth in the parish hall and sit down with each other at table for a meal, let's think about allowing God in that time, in that space, to transform us. Amen.